Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're tackling what the scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might believe to be slightly scary, somewhat hard to understand theological topics. But we love what Dr. Wayne Grudem said of theology, that theology is any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? And we're always attempting to do this in a way that's applicable to the lives we live. Today's episode is brought to you by Pastor Jeff's book, Happily Ever After. Now, that sounds like a fairy tale or a marriage book of some sort, but it's not. (laughs) It's a book Pastor Jeff wrote to help you apply the teachings of Jesus and the Beatitudes to your life. We'll link how you can grab a copy in today's episode notes. So, Pastor Jeff, today we are going to be continuing to talk about the Holy Spirit. The theological terms for studying the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology. We defined that in the past episode, and we thought we'd hit on some of these overarching things the Holy Spirit does in the lives of God's children today. Yeah, that's what our podcast will be about today. And hello again, kitchen table theologians. So, you know, Jen, many people have strange ideas, uh, putting it mildly, as things you know, relate to the Holy Spirit. And if I were to ask us to define the, the name Holy Spirit, I'm afraid we would have all kinds of answers coming in here. We probably would, and I I try not to let my mind go there. But whenever there there are some times whenever I hear the Holy Spirit, I get this picture of a gentleman in my church when I was growing up. He never called it the Holy Spirit; it was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in the three piece, you know, suit, the whole deal, arms up, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and as a child, that can be a little bit scary, you know. You you conjure up ideas of Casper, who was friendly. We hope the Holy Ghost would be friendly. Well, but... yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, goodness. When you're a kid, a ghost is not not friendly. It no, always the one con- under the bed or the one in the closet. Yeah, or, you always yeah. connect it to Halloween, and then yeah, you go to church true. and you hear about the Holy Ghost. I, <laughs> you know, when I was a teenager just learning to begin what Christianity was about, uh, and I'd been taught my whole life, but, you know, as you become a teenager, the 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 light bulb begins to grow a little bit brighter. Um I, I sat in a church youth group Bible study. Who knows how many of those we sat in over our lives. Mm-hmm. And this was in the mid-70s, and the charismatic movement was growing. And my traditional, very conservative church had our youth leader teaching us. Well, I don't know if the church did, but but they they did, our youth leaders. The Holy Spirit, I remember thinking, was almost something mm-hmm. to be feared, Um you know, and I remember being taught you don't pray to the Holy Spirit because Lord knows what would happen to you. If you started to pray to the Holy Spirit, you might just bust down in tongues and we wouldn't know what to do with that in our Heaven church. Trust forbid. me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, we would just go off the, the deep end, maybe raise the dead. And there was a few that probably needed to be raised, but <laughs> that, you know, any outpouring of the Holy Spirit would have been very problematic. <laughs> In our church, and I, and I can recall sitting under the teaching of someone who who constantly referred to the Holy Spirit as 
it. Mm. And I just sort of morphed into this idea of the Holy Spirit as being this celestial wizard of Oz, uh, but without the personality of the mm -hmm. wizard of Oz. You know, just this giant computer, this power plant uh, in the sky that that pulled levers and push buttons, uh, but something to be feared and not someone to be loved, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And you're talking about growing up in conservative churches. In my mm -hmm. church growing up, you could raise your hand outwardly to testify, but if you started to turn your <laughs> hand, you were welcoming down the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's very... Very different. <laughs> you better be careful doing that. And I think that's because we think about the the Holy Spirit as this kind of electrical force, like the force in Star Wars, you know. And over the next few weeks, we will discover more about the Holy Spirit together. So perhaps one of the most important things we can discover is that the Holy Spirit is a person, far more than being an impersonal force of power. He's just as much real, alive, a distinct person as you and I. Yeah, he's got a number of ministries and jobs, I guess you could call it jobs, responsibilities. He is actively at work in the world. He's actively at work in the life of every believer, every child of God. Uh, if you're a member of God's own family, then the Holy Spirit is, is actively at work inside of you. So let's take a look at this, and then on the next episode of what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of God's children, we'll explore it in two parts. So first of all, Pastor Jeff, we know that he convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to people. And we know that from John 16, 8 through 11, which says, when he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin, that righteousness comes from above where I am with the Father, out of their sight and control that judgment takes place as the ruler of his godless world is brought to trial and convicted. That's from the message uh, paraphrase. Yeah, that I just I liked how that 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 reads. That's that's pretty strong there. You know, theologically uh, speaking, and in, in theological terminology, uh, you'll read that the Holy Spirit has a convincing work. They'll they'll use the word. Theologians will use the word a convincing work, and because it's a convincing work, in other words, he's showing, he's exposing. He is convincing uh, us of who Christ is. Then he uh, th he has that convincing work, which, by definition, makes that a narrow work because not everyone in the world is going to experience this. And yet, this ministry of his is not only in the life of the redeemed person. When anybody is searching for truth, or looking for the gospel, or looking let's just say, into God or into the things of God, the Holy Spirit may enter into the circumstances of that person's life, and then he begins to convict the, that person, man or woman, whoever it is, of sin and righteousness, the Bible says. And that's often the first step in the Holy Spirit leading a person to or toward Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think as believers, we know what that feeling feels like for us. If we that. don't, then we probably aren't true believers. 
would be dum da dum dum da da. So let's say we have a friend who is far from God, a loved one, a friend, a coworker, and probably as you're listening to this, two or three people just popped up into your head. I think the Holy Spirit works that mm, way too, sure. and, and leading us to to think about those people. So as Christ followers, then we should be praying for that individual and asking the Holy Spirit to do this work in that person's life, correct? Yeah. And and as we pray, and as the Holy Spirit does do His work, He starts bringing conviction into that person's life. So when you say conviction, wh- what does that mean exactly? How does the Spirit bring conviction? Come on, you you were born and raised Baptist. You, you <laughs> conviction. If that's a word, the fire and the brimstone <laughs> of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, the, the the word conviction. Well. Yeah, he brings conviction into the person's life, and he often does that through various uh, various ways. So, for example, he might speak directly to someone's conscience, like in Pinocchio. (laughs) Well, if you want, if you want, (laughs) let your conscience be your guide. (laughs) Yeah, which is but which is horrific. That's from Pinocchio. That little, you know, oh, the little cricket. He yeah, comes and yeah. He, I think Geppetto he, and yeah, the cricket, Jiminy Cricket. I think he represents his conscience, right? I don't cricket. know. We'll, I don't. I haven't I, seen it. In a while. We'll have to rent. It them. is a weird movie. If you just as a side note, if you watch that with your kids, oh, yeah, well, it's, I would it's say bizarre. I would just caution us against that because letting your conscience be your guide is horrific theology. Because the Bible says our conscience can be seared, it's scarred. It, our conscience might tell us that we're great, wonderful people and don't need a Savior. So, no, we should never let our conscience be our guide. Um, the, in the life of a believer, the Holy Spirit has to be. so. But he may start there in somebody's life. He may speak directly to people's conscience. And... In that case, look, there, there's times where the conscience is all right to follow, but as a general rule, I, I don't think it's a great idea. The Holy Spirit will use the Bible. He will use a specific Bible passage, and there may have been times in your life, um, I know there have been in mine, where I'll be reading along and I'm asking God to guide me or whatever, and it's almost as if a Bible verse will be illuminated. Mm-hmm. Or I'll read something and I'll go, man, I've never read that before. Now it just has total application. Uh, he might use somebody's testimony, somebody's story. Uh, an unsaved person might hear a person who is in Christ telling about how they came to Christ. And the Holy Spirit can use that. When you hear the Word of God preached or taught, the Holy Spirit will often use that. So people and things may be involved, but it's the Holy Spirit who's doing the convicting, and He's just going to use some people. He's going to use some things. So maybe a practical point here, um, if conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit, then we must never let ourselves think for one moment that our clever or even convincing presentations can convict somebody of sin. Uh, You know, when you mentioned maybe two or three people pop into our minds here that don't know Christ. And boy, if I could just have a conversation with that person, because I've, I can really tell them I know what they need, you know, better than anybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to be careful doing that because it's the Holy Spirit who, who does that. And he may use you and I, and he might use the conversation that we have, but we're not the one 
convicting he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up that point because I think over the years in working with students and especially teenagers, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, even if they were raised in the church and you see that. And I remember saying to my mentor and colleague when a child walked away from Christ, I feel like I lost this one. Mm. And his response was, Jen, it's not yours to lose. You, you, you can't, yeah. you can't do the saving and you can't, you can't, you can't be, do the holding. Yeah, either. you can't. You can't do right. the holding, and that—that's the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah, in, in their wow. life. Wow. Yeah, that was a good answer to you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a really good one because we do feel that if you're if you're in ministry of any sort, you feel this, you know, push like, okay, I gotta, right. you know, that whole fisher of men win souls for Christ kind mm-hmm. of thing, and we have to be really, really careful about who's doing the work there. Okay, so let's get back. We know the Holy Spirit convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to people, but what else does he do? Well, another thing he does is that, and boy, can we be grateful for this, he restrains sin in the world. The Holy Spirit restrains sin in the world. So here's what Paul says about that, Second Thessalonians. Actually, let's come back to that because I don't have my Bible in front of me. So well, hold go on, go get everybody. your Bible, and and I will echo while you're grabbing your Bible. I will echo. Oh, talk are, about YouTube. Oh, yeah, we can talk about YouTube. While we're getting, we are now on YouTube. We got one video up on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and look at Jeff Cranston, that's the channel. You can search Jeff Cranston, and that. That YouTube We are a YouTube will... force to be reckoned with, uh, with one video up. But we're putting up all of our Kitchen Table Theology deals on YouTube. Right now, it's audio. We're hoping to move it to video. But Jen and I, we don't know if we want to do that because that, that means we got to get <laughs> – both of us are going to have to get dialed up. <laughs> I'm already rolling my eyes because my, my job job, I'm already working from home, so I'm in – Yoga pants and sweatshirts. Don't you most know everybody's just going to love to see us <laughs> sitting here? All right, back to the Holy Spirit restraining sin in the world. So, Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2 6 and 7, and he's talking about this man of lawlessness, this person that's going to come into the world under the influence of, the, of Satan. And Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. And then Paul says this. And you know, so you Thessalonians, you know what restrains him now. He's talking about the enemy. So that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he, the man of lawlessness, is taken out of the way. He who restrains is the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is restraining sin in the world. And that that whole Second Thessalonians 2 thing is just cool. So go back and read it sometime. But it's teaching us, what, what I just read there is teaching us that the restrainer, uh, there's a principle there. So what is holding this wicked one back? It's, it's a restrainer. And the restrainer is not only a principle, the restrainer is also a person. And he says, there is someone who is holding this man of lawlessness back. And the identification of this restrainer was already well known to the Thessalonians because Paul said, you already know, because when um, in verse five, he says, don't you remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. So I've already told you this stuff. Um, So the great thing about it is the power and the principle of the restrainer is stronger and greater than Satan's 
power. So the Holy Spirit is restraining sin in the world even today. Hmm. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper on this because I think probably over the last 10, 12 months, we've heard this even more and more. So many people constantly saying, you know, we're in end times or they're questioning, is, is this, is the apocalypse upon us? Is it coming to, I think, I think I even heard a radio commercial for a local business saying, well, you know, the that the time is upon us. So the yes, end is it upon was. Us. I'll share with you later what it was a commercial for because I don't think our listeners need to know that. No, we're not doing but- commercials. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not doing commercials. This is not sponsored by anyone. But um yet this verse is intriguing because it's telling us that evil's being restrained at our present time. So the question I want to know the answer to and maybe you guys want to know the answer as well is who then is the restrainer? So let's talk about the restraining work of the spirit. So, so I said the Holy Spirit, but how do we know that? Uh we have to assume and because Paul infers it, the, the restrainer, who or what it is, is more powerful than Satan. So, I mean, legitimately, we have to ask, can this be a government? Maybe God's going to use a, a military force. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it an earthly power? Is it a prophet? Is it a terrorist cell? Uh, I mean, could it be you, Jen, after a workout at the gym? Are you the restrainer? Not Close, hardly. but no. Not hardly. <laughs> I don't think Zumba counts as a restraining yeah. device. I don't think the uh, Thessalonians knew about you. <laughs> the obvious and only answer is that God has that sort of power. So therefore, the restrainer is God. And with this view, the principle that I referred to just a minute ago, what is holding Satan back? I think that would remind us of God's power in general. And then in verse 7 of Second no. Second Thessalonians 2. It's catching. It's catching. <laughs> There's a masculine pronoun in verse 7. And he said, he who now restrains. Uh, and that's really important that we pay attention to that. So that's pointing us to the person of God. Now, God uses governments. God uses uh, elect angels like you know, Michael, the archangel or whomever. God uses prophets. He uses the Bible, the church, other means to restrain evil. But the ultimate power behind such forceful restraint is the power in person, the spirit of almighty God. And the Christians Paul was writing to were well acquainted with the work of the spirit. And so they understood who the restrainer is when Paul was talking to them about it, and that's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God does allow people to live unrestrained, and you can read about that in Romans chapter one. And what a horrific place to be! You you don't want to live. That's scary when God removes the restraints. But at, at this time, you the time you and I live in, the Holy Spirit is at work in our world, and He is restraining evil. Mm-hmm. And I seem to remember it, it's the words of David in the Psalms that that praise take not thy Holy Spirit mm-hmm. from me, mm-hmm. and and that we should, goodness, if we do feel like it's the end times, then we definitely want the Holy Spirit. And He will be. He'll he'll, he'll be actively at work as the ages roll on, however long that might be. He's going to mm-hmm. be there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, let's start landing today's theological plane, so to speak. Let's talk about one more thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And let's talk for a moment or two about the fact that He regenerates us to new life in Christ. I like that. He regenerates us 
Yeah, that's exciting because that's all about bringing people into relationship with Jesus. Uh, Titus 3.5 tells us Christ saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. And then Paul then says he washed away our sins and gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. And that's something I don't know that we think about that much, or maybe people don't know about that much, but the new life in Christ is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And that new life just means renewal or regeneration. And interestingly, that terminology is only used twice in the New Testament. Here in Titus 3, 5 that I just read, and then also in Matthew 19, 28. And in the Matthew reference, is it's used to designate um, talking about the future millennium when the Lord Jesus will reign on the throne of David in that future millennium over a renewed world. And that concept is the same thing that Paul says he gives us a renewed life. So in a Titus passage, it's connected with the accomplishing of our salvation by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So in the one instance, that renewal, new life idea refers to the earth being made new in Matthew 19. In the other, it's people being made new, Titus 3, 5. So the, the act of regeneration or when we are renewed and given new life through the Holy Spirit, it, it's really a divine act of God where He gives us, He imparts to us eternal life. And, and renewal is just that concept that br- begins the new life. It's the new birth that Jesus talked to uh, Nicodemus about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes we use these word, the word renewal with uh, interchangeably with justification or conversion, but they really we shouldn't. They're separate mm-hmm. ideas, There's, separate terms. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I don't think we often equate the Holy Spirit with someone's salvation. You know, we we always think of Jesus, and right. and rightfully so. You know, no, come, you're in, right. come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Right. So. Is there more going? There's more going on than in salvation, isn't there? It's the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. He's got to be working. I, I know sometimes when I have presented the gospel, say in a you know at a meeting, or I've been speaking, preaching, teaching, or whatever, and I'm a, and I've I've presented the gospel, and we're moving into a time of decision. I many many times I've asked the Christians in the room start praying right now mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit would would do his convicting work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot going on in somebody's heart and mind. I mean, if you you've been in a church service before and I think as a listener, you've been in a church service before. You know, Jen and I have been too. And you feel like the preacher or whoever's they are talking directly to me. Mm-hmm. I hear that quite often. And I'll always jokingly go, "Well, I was." And <laughs> Because I have no idea, but you feel like nobody else is in the room. Your heart starts to beat. You're, I mean, you're, you just start to sense, oh, man, something deeply spiritual is happening here right now. The, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that, that will happen. It doesn't always uh, manifest itself with you know a rapid heart rate or something physiological, but he's doing a lot leading 
someone up to the the moment of of conversion for mm-hmm. for sure. And it's amazing to me how in a message that that's being presented that's biblically based that I can hear that that message, you can hear the same right. message and we both have it hit us right. in different places and in different ways. And then when he does the work and we we go you know, we say yes to Jesus Christ, then when that instantaneous transformation occurs, when that conversion to faith in Christ occurs, at that moment we're giving we're, we're given a new nature by Him, and that's the regeneration. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He regenerates us to new life in Christ. Yep, and we are so glad that he does. <laughs> so glad Amen. that he does. Well, hey, as we wrap up today's episode and review for a second, as we look at what the Holy Spirit does in our lives as children of God, we've discovered that he regenerates us to new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit restrains sin in the world, and he convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to people. And there's much, much more that he does, and we'll continue looking into those areas in our upcoming podcasts. We certainly will. And again, today's episode has been brought to you by Pastor Jeff's book, Happily Ever After, a book Pastor Jeff wrote to help you apply the teachings of Jesus in the Beatitudes to your life. You can find it on Amazon or at jeffcranston.com. We'll link how you can grab a copy in today's episode notes. And check out those episode notes when you get a chance. They're prepared and they're out there for just about every podcast that we do. And they're created with you in mind to be an additional help to you as you dive deeper into the doctrines and theology of the Christian faith. Please check out our website at jeffcranston.com where you can find our podcast archives where dozens of theological topics are discussed. You can also read Pastor Jeff's blog where he writes on many issues important to the Christian life. And don't forget about YouTube. Don't forget about YouTube. Look (laughs) up my name on YouTube and... Uh, again, it's just audio, but some people use YouTube for audio too. I mean, I listen to music on YouTube all the oh, time. all the time, all the time. And I think something moves. I think the little, yes, the it little does. white we, jumpy yeah. thing goes up it's, and down. It's very fancy. <laughs> it is. It's... So thank you to Tiffany Coker for getting us <laughs> Shout out to Tiff. On, on YouTube. <laughs> and thank you, Kitchen Table Theologians, for listening, for your support, your questions, and your encouragement along the way, as we remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.